Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear would inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. I'm very overwhelmed today, more than usual. I'm very overwhelmed by God's presence in this place today. Thank you for leading us to the to pushing us through because sometimes we're so comfortable with our worship that we just go just enough but we don't push that into the holy of holies I can't see my notes so <laughs> I didn't print them on 16 I printed them in 14 and I'm gonna put my glasses but I can't see my notes so just know <laughs> That what I'm saying is what God wants you to hear. Because I guess. As I was preparing today, I realized that we are a country that is so comfortable with God that we take him for granted. You know, we, we use them as a slur. We use them as a, oh, Jesus, when we're upset. But we don't realize what's in that name. We don't realize what's the power and the magnificency and the, on that name. When we say Jesus or when we say Yahweh or Jireh, we're truly inviting the fullness of God into our presence, into our sphere. And when we take it for granted, we're insulted, insulting him. That's not what I was going to speak about. But I just want us to get to a point that we are, that when we get to worship, this amazing God, limitless, not, confound, not confound by time or space, that give us the privilege to be in the same space as he is, that we would just honor him with all that we are and all that we have and all that we say, because ultimately he's the one that made us. We're in a time and season that we as believers cannot longer play patty cake with the enemy. We're in a warring time. You know, we have gotten so comfortable that we don't even understand the time and season in which we are. We're called to be the sons of Issachar. And they were known for, for assessing the seasons. Israel and Palestine is not just a war between two people, two nations. That's a spiritual war that has gone on for generations. It was spoken of in Genesis. And we are called as believers to pray for the peace of Israel and to pray for the peace of that place. We can't take that for granted. We're living in a time of infirmity. There is a spirit. So remember that Sunday, Miriam talked about putting on the full arm. Actually, the, the puppet said the same thing. And in that Ephesians 6, it talks about how we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And there are principalities right now operating, not just in the United States, but in, America, in, 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 the, in the world. And if we don't get position as believers 
as intercessors, if we don't stand in the gap, things are not going to change. The spirit of infirmity, the spirit of death, and how do we know that that spirit's operating? Well, can we say COVID? Can we say death? How many people are dying each day in Wilmington by violence? Can we say the spirit of oppression and depression? How many children are killing themselves because they are depressed and they are suicidal? It is our jobs to stand in the gap. These are jobs to pray, these are jobs to intercede, these are jobs to call on heaven, to intercede. See, God can't do anything on this earth unless we call upon him. And so I challenge you today to be in God's presence. I challenge you today to operate on who God called us to be. And so, I guess the light's a little better and I'm not crying so much, so words are coming to appear on this page today, amen? I love all of you. I thank you for praying for me. I thank you, Pastor Jose and Pastor Becky for this opportunity. And I thank you that they put a clock on that side so I know how long I am. Although they told me they'll cut my microphone if I go too long. So, <laughs> so either way, it's okay. I just pray that God, I really do pray that God, um, that you can glean something from it. Amen. That's better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So the series is called I Am Woman, right? And I wanted to, when I was um, text, I received the text that I was going to speak today. I really wanted to pick a woman that I was going to just dive in, right? I wanted to, I said, God, I really want to talk about someone who I admire in the Bible. And there's a book that I'm reading right now, which is called The Anointing of Deborah. And the book of Deborah, the, Deborah is mentioned only in one chapter in Judges 4. And then in chapters five, it, it gives us the entire worship song that she wrote. And so I was preparing to speak about Deborah. I think I even told Rebecca that that's who I was gonna be speaking today. But see how God has a plan and while he lets me run with my ideas, at to a point that he's like, no, that's not what you're going to speak about. So I was, then I said, oh, I really would like to speak about um, that it's time for us to war and uh, that we are at war and we are reporting for duty. I had the whole title. I even had the outfit that I wanted to wear, you know. Uh, I was looking for fatigues and boots and a yellow top because I was told to wear yellow. And so I was like, this is gonna be awesome. I'm just gonna encourage them to enlist, to show up and to war um, for the glory of God. And so I was getting ready for that. Right, so I said, okay, W is for this, and A is for that, and R is for that, and let's, I'm gonna talk about, you know, the roaring of the lion, and I had the whole, pretty much the whole message that I wanted to give. And so God, in his with, 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 uh, wisdom and loving me the way he does, he just lets me run with things uh, for a little period of time. And then he said, that's nice, but that's why you can't sleep. You're not settling your spirit because that's not what I want to say to the people of God. And so I was like, okay, well, when nothing was settled in my spirit, I finally said, well, God, what do you want me to say? What should I speak about? What is the words that you want them to, that you want to teach me and that I can then share with the people? And that's when he was like, okay, just get a piece of paper. And so he gave me 
what I'm going to speak today, but just know that it came with a lot of um, wanting to do it my way. And God said, sure, you can go ahead and do it your way, but you're not going to be settled in it. And that's what happens when we want to operate on our own will. We think we're doing the will of God, and we think that we're preparing what He wants us to prepare, but then we're not settled. And we're not settled, not because we're not settled because we're not doing God, what God calls us to do. And so I'm not very creative, and my title is simply I Am Woman. You know, that's the name of the series, and it starts with the I Am. And so I was talking about these women, and I started thinking, and it is Women's Month, but men, everything that God has for the women, it also has for you. Amen. So I wanted to talk about the daughter, daughters of the, the, um, the place that women had in history. Because see, the enemy sometimes and the people not of God have us believe that Christianity and the Bible are oppressive to women. But I'm here to tell you that Christianity and the Bible are the most deliver, um, liberating for women. Amen. So I started thinking about the daughters of Selophathad. And these women were amazing. Their father died with a, lot, with a fortune. And at that time in Israel, women could not inherit unless a man, only men could inherit. And so their dad died and they went to Moses and challenged that and said, oh, that's not fair. And so there was a, a triune, a, a, um, a discussion about it. And the inheritance laws that exist right now are because of them, right? Because he changed. And at that time, they said, fine, if the man, the person dies without a son, the daughters can inherit. That were women, that, those women change history even for us. Then I thought about Esther. And yes, my middle name is Esther. I know I don't want people to know, but now everybody knows. A young lady that was taken into the, into the kingdom to be queen and, and to intercede for a purpose, right? To intercede for the people of God, just for that brief moment. That's where she went. I definitely thought about Sarah, who t whose husband said, the Lord told me to just move and leave. We don't know where we're going, but we're going. And so she, she then was known and became a mother at 80. Amen. I don't know how she did it, but she did it. Over 80 years old, she gave a birth of a baby. And, was, and is known as the mother of faith. And then I thought about Rahab, who helped the spies um, that came to Jericho. And she then became part of Jesus' genealogy. Yes, she was a prostitute, but with a purpose. She had a purpose that she accomplished. Then I thought about Mary, the teenager who became... Um, gave birth to the Savior and the Word of God, brought forth the Word of God to the, to the world. I thought about Hannah, who after enduring much, much abuse and ridicule by her husband's other wife because she couldn't give birth, she gave birth, she interceded and gave birth, and then um, gave her son to the temple so he could serve God. And so, and obviously Deborah. And I love Deborah because Deborah was the only judge in the entire history of Israel that is listed in the Bible. A woman, and during that time, women didn't have authority. They weren't considered, um, you know, they were mostly 
property. They, were, they wouldn't even count it when they counted how many people lived in Israel. And yet this woman was chosen by God to be a judge, to legislate, to, to, to resolve matters. And as a judge, she was also the commander of the army. And she sat, and I love because in the very first verses, it says that she sat between Ramah and Bethel under the palm tree. And if you look, I love words and I love to understand where they're coming from and their definitions. And if you look at, learn about Rama, Rama means a place of oppression. While Bethel means the house of God. And so Deborah was right in the middle between a place of oppression and the house of God. And that's where we are as intercessors, as a people of God, we're sitting right in the middle of an oppressive and oppressed people to lead them into the house of God. And so as we look at all this, I started with the title, I Am Woman. And I wanted to talk about I Am. And when I thought about I Am, I started thinking about when was I Am mentioned in the Bible? And so the first time, or the first time that God brought to my memory was when Moses, when he talked to Moses and sent them into Israel, into Egypt to liberate the Israelites. And Moses says to him, says to God, I go, but how, who do I say that send me? And so Jesus, God said to him, tell them that I am has sent you. Tell them that the I am that I am. Tell them that I will become what I choose to become, send you. Tell them that I, I am what I am, that I, that I will be what I will be, that I create whatever I create has sent you. That's who's sending us. Uh, that's who is sending us. Amen. He said, tell them I'm the existing one, the I am that I am. And then I looked at when Jesus said, when Jesus wanted to know, who do the people say that I am? And then he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And so at that moment in that Bible verse, that Peter had the revelation. Everybody was saying all kinds of things, right? Oh, you are a prophet, you're a teacher, you're Elijah. And then Peter said, well, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And when God, Christ wanted us to know exactly who he was and what he wanted us to know about him, he gave us seven statements that say, I am. And so he said, you know, I am the bread of life. I sustain your physical needs and your spiritual needs, your spiritual life. I am the light of the world. You don't need to walk in, in darkness because I'm that light. I am the door, um, the one that gives you access to the living God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am telling us that death has no, no final say on who on us. I am the good shepherd, the one that guides you and leads you and is committed to you and watches over you. I am the way, the truth. Jesus is the source of the truth. And in this time, in this season, we are so inundated by um, lies. But we are guided and we are loved by truth. And then he says, I am the true vine. I'm your source. As long as you are with me, 
you're going to give fruit, you're going to be nourished. And so then I said, well, the message is, I am woman. And so what does that mean? All those women that I just mentioned, you know, we try to idolize them and to romanticize them and to figure that they had it all together. But we just know the snippet of their life. Sometimes it's just one chapter. Just, sometimes it's just five verses. Sometimes it's just one mention. But when we say I am, we're saying I am with a conviction of who God created us to be. It's a statement of being. I am. I am not a mistake. I am not rejected. I am not abandoned. I am not fatherless. I am woman. And so to maybe understand for me what I am woman is all about, and that's why I said, man, you're going to also um, be able to embrace the I am woman. I talked to pastor yesterday, said, you can say I am woman, it's okay. And I was going to have you say it to each other, but I know some of you men might not feel too comfortable. So I'm not going to say that. You know, I was trying to say, say to your neighbor. I'm going to say that so badly. To say to your neighbor, turn to your other neighbor. <laughs> Again, so say to your neighbor, I am woman. <laughs> Say to your other neighbor, I am woman. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian, for giving me. <laughs> so thank you. I just wanted to say that. So we can go to the next slide. So I, I just have an acronym. Woman is an acronym, and that's why you're going to be able to say. But I am woman, to me, says I am walking in the fullness of who God shaped me to be. And the Bible verse says, for you shaped me inside and out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. Think about this. When you're shaping something, you're thinking about it. You're working with it. You're messing your hands with it, right? When you're needing something, you're, you're taking your time. You're thinking. Inventors and visionaries and architects, they see the purpose before they start creating. And so when God shaped us into who we are today, he saw our purpose before he began creating us. And when he shaped us, the voice that I have was because he meant for it to have it. My eyes was because he meant for me to have it. My height is because he meant to, for me to have it. My shape, my passions, my, um, what I care about, what I don't care about, even the not so great experiences, while some of them were not from God, they were all meant to shape me into what, who God called me to be. And so yeah, my life was not always easy, right? Um, for some people, that could create a lot of bitterness and I'm telling you, I worked through that. I was five years old when my mom said, I, I can't support you and your brother, I'm gonna put you in a, in a home. So at five, I went to a children's home with other kids who didn't have parents. At six, I was taken to a foster home. My brother was adopted right away. He was a cute little three-year-old. I was a five-year-old. And as a five-year-old, in foster care, you're already too grown for families to, get, to want you. So at six, I was taken to a family. I was there for a year. Out of nowhere, they told me to pack my little bag and they took me to another house. People that drunk and yell at me for no reason. After three months, they said, pack your little bag, go to another house. 
And in that house, my so-called sister will hit me for no reason, make me bleed, my nose bleed all the time. And all of a sudden, they said, well, pack your little bag, go back to the home. So I could always, I could feel better about that. I deal, I dealt, and I continue to deal with feelings of abandonment, of not being enough, of trying to please everybody. Because those circumstances at that age create your inner, your inner script, right? Your, what you're saying to yourself. But I have a God that loved me unconditional. And what I can say in spite of I'm here today, the reality is that because of I'm here today, everything that I went through, that the almost rape, the sexual harassment, everything that I went through, I just give God the glory that he did not allow, that he does not allow me to just live in that moment, but grow out of that moment. I know that I'm called for women. I am called for women. I know that I'm called to encourage those that have experienced adoption, that have experienced all kinds of things. But let's go back to I am shaped. And so I was reading about being shaped and I love that I learned that not only your fingerprints are all different, not only your um, eye prints are different. My eye print is not equal to anybody else in this. Six billion people, nobody has my eye print. My voice print is unique to me. My heart beats at a tempo that is different from everybody else on this earth. You can't tell me that there is not a God. We can't tell me that we were created out of a cosmic explosion when all the details, when every hair in my head is numbered and I'm losing hair and I can see in the sink that I have five or six strings, but I also know that my father is saying, huh, String number 155 just fell down today. String 157, every hair has been numbered. You, you want to cut your hair, we can cut your hair. He knows all of that. I am molded and shaped for such a time as this. When he says, when he took that, God didn't make a mistake. When we just are disgusted by the way we look, what we're really saying is, I know, God, that you said he was good and that you were well pleased with your creation, but you're wrong. I'm not well pleased with your creation. And so we're telling the creator, the creative being is telling the creator that he made a mistake. When we don't like our personality and when other people don't like our personality, what they're really not insulting us, they're insulting God. Because God gave us the personality and he gave you that personality because the purpose and the ministry that you have. So I always tease with my daughter, she is 100% um, extrovert, right? Um, my, husband, my youngest daughter is 100% introvert and I mean more introvert than extrovert. And we're like, sometimes it's like her personality is so big. But Alexis, you have that personality because God wants you to have it. Because the ministry that you have in your spirit needs that personality. And that's for all of us. For all of us. And so I can just continue to say um, all the things that God has done for us. So W was for walking in the fullness of who God, God shaped me to be. My feelings, my heart, 
my expectations are to be his expectations. All on woman for me, men operating in dual authority. God called us to be, play two roles, kings and priests. A king legislates on the earth. A priest legislates in the heavenly. We open the door as priests to God's coming on the earth and operating here. But it's different to how we think of kings and priests on the earth, right? Because when we think of kings and priests, we are always bowing down to the kings. We, they have 50,000 servants, right? When we think about priests in the church, sometimes we see every other, every other, everybody serving them. But how God saw that dual role is he wanted the kings and priests to serve him and to serve his people. So when he says to us that you are kings and priests, he has called us to serve his people. There were certain characteristics that the king and the priest had to have. And one was that they had to be um, chosen by God. And we are chosen. And we're going to see a Bible verse that says that he has chosen us. And when you talk about cho cho uh, choosing somebody, you're talking about handpicking that person for that specific purpose. They needed to be committed to, the God's, to God's people. The king needed to model faith, right? They needed to know the scriptures to meditate on his words. They needed to understand their strength, their wisdom and success. Their strength, wisdom and success only came from God. They had to demonstrate a total dependence on God. And they had to be examples of obedience to God. So when we are called kings of priests, that's what is expected of us. It's expected that we be in his presence, seeking his face, not only for us, not only for my family or my four, but for the world, for those around me, for those who enter into this, my sphere of influence. The, the priests were um, in the Old Testament were the only ones that were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and that if they didn't have fun, fault on them. But isn't it amazing that Christ died for us and that we can just come boldly into his presence. Boldly to say, God, you are so amazing. Boldly to say, God, I don't get what you're doing in my life, but uh, please explain it to me. And God doesn't get offended by our questions or even our doubt. He does get offended when we walk in unbelief, which is different than asking questions. When Mary asked a question, how could it be? She, he didn't shut his mouth, but when Zechariah asked the question, how could it be? He could not speak because he, has, he was walking in unbelief. When the priests came into the Holy of Holies, they presented sacrifices of praise so the people could be forgiven. They were interceding on behalf of the people that God had appointed to them. And that's what we ought to do every day. We ought to go into his presence and say, God, here I am. Use me for your kingdom. Use me to do and to affect and to impact the lives of those that you have assigned to me. Father, forgive me because I have not gotten it all right. And before I even elevate another prayer, God, I just want to say that you are great, that you are amazing, that there is none other like you, that you have counted my days, that you have done amazing things on this earth. And yes, when I'm still hurting, God, I know that you are, Father, my healer. I know that while I'm lacking things, you are my provider. And I know that you're going to do that not just for myself, but for everybody else that is around me. And Father, I'm interceding on behalf of those that are those at 
Scarlet Note or on behalf of those people at my job or, or, or my neighbors, God, I see them hurting, God, but you have the answer for them. And I don't have to know what their problem is, but I know that I have a God that if I speak, his word will not return to him voided. And that's what the priest, being a priest, is all about. It's not for the accolades. I don't, we're not going to go around and say, uh, please bow, I'm a king. Right? Please bow, I'm a priest. No, because the intention of the king and the priest was only to serve. I am woman, so we went to the W, the O, and the M. M is for mission-driven. All that we do is for one mission and one mission only. is to bring forth the kingdom of God. It's to bring people to know to the full knowledge of who God is. It's to be able to express the good news. And the good news are news of salvation and restoration, reconciliation. And be able to say, you know what? He came so you can be free. Good news is news of freedom and liberty and healing and peace. It is nothing else, nothing else. I love, and I didn't put it here, but I, one of my favorite verses that explain exactly what God, Christ came to do is Luke 4, 18. And Luke 4, 18 talks about how when he, Jesus went to the temple, he said, I'm here to preach the good news. And then he said that I have come to heal the brokenhearted. How many of you have experienced brokenness and feel brokenhearted today? Guess what? I bring the good news to you to let you that the God of our salvation loves you and wants to heal your heart. I was reading that children are killing themselves because of hopelessness. And yet I walk around and I'm convicted because I walk around every day with a source of hope in my heart. And that's what they want. But I'm not saying anything of them. I'm not, I'm not reaching out. We sometimes just keep it to ourselves because we don't want to offend anybody. But we have the answer to their hopelessness. We have the answer to the brokenheartedness. We have the answer to the hurt, to the trauma, to the pain. And Christ came. So mission-driven should drive me to just say, you know what? Jesus. That's all we have to say because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It says that Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. And how many of us are captive? You might say, no, I'm not in prison, but you, you are. You might be in an emotional prison, in a spiritual prison, in your own mind prison. Jesus came to liberate us too. It says that Jesus came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Some of us are blind to the goodness of God and how he sees us. And so we walk around sometimes regretting a lot of things, but God came to give us vision. It says that Jesus came to liberate those who had held down by oppression, depression. And we have that answer. And then he says that he came to com proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which every 50 years Israel celebrated the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, um, all debt were canceled. All slaves were set free. All property was returned to their original owner. That's what he wants for us. He wants our freedom. He came to proclaim our freedom. He came to proclaim um, 
or recovery of everything that has been stolen or that we have given access to. That's what the good news is all about. A for me was armed and ready. I told you I was going to talk about war. I had to put that. God gave me the exact words, so I can't say that. But armed and ready. And I love this song because the Lord gave the command. A great company of women. A company is an army. Okay. So in Psalms 68 says that a great army of women brought the good news. One of my favorite shows that my husband can tell you, I watch everything and anything related to special operations, military attacks. I love the SEAL team, um, anything with um, the Secret Service and SWAT. I am a junkie for all of it. I don't want to be in the military, right? Because I am in an army and I'm in the army of the Most High God, right? But I don't want to do all the other stuff that um, other people have to do, right? But I love because the SEAL team is a specialty, specially trained team to conduct special operations. And the definition for a special op operations means activities conducted by a specially designated, organized, selected, trained and equipped forces using unconventional techniques and modes of employment. According to NATO, special operations may include reconnaissance, unconventional warfare, and counterterrorism actions. At the end, this group are usually called to eliminate high target levels, high level targets, or to gather intelligence behind enemy lines. Doesn't that kind of define what we are called to do in the kingdom of God as members of the army of the Almighty? When we pray, I always say that prayer is a atomic bomb and we drop it whatever God tells us to drop it and it completely regenerates and changes that terrain the key is the one thing that we know about the SEAL team or at least what I see on TV is that they're always ready they never leave the armory or their, their weapons aside they always carry that with them and as members of this amazing army that is going to be called by God and then go to give the great good news, we got to know first the difference between noise, sound, and voice. The noise, which is our worship, is meant to confuse the enemy. Because see, the enemy has beat us down sometimes or put in circumstances around us that he won't expect you that you can rise, rise up, elevate your hands and say, God, I give it all to you and you are amazing. He's not expecting that. So that's what noise is all about. Sound is the sound of alarm. It's to tell others the enemy is coming. And so I'm, here, I'm, 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 I'm giving this sound, this alarm, so we can all go grab our weapons. But the voice of God, the one that we hear on the secret place, is so we can have the strategy that He called us, that we need to put in place for that warfare. And so that call for us to be in His presence at all times. Our weapons of our warfare, our prayer, the wisdom of God, the worship, through His Word, we are in His presence. Let's not just take that 
for granted. And sometimes we do 15 minutes, right? But we spend more time on Facebook than what we do in His Word. As soldiers, we can't, we can't get, move away from our assignment, from our post. But sometimes we have. We're called to stand in the gap, but then we're not in the gap because other things bugs us down. And so we have, in some instance, not you, I have. Allow the enemy to enter into my sphere. It's very easy to do, right? I start praying a little less. I start, thank you. I start praying a little bit less. I start worshiping. Thank you. Worshiping a little less. I start allowing music and shows. See, the enemy, and I usually don't speak a lot about him because he's already defeated. But part of strategy is knowing your enemy. The enemy is known as the prince of the air and the airwaves. And we spend a lot of hours watching TV listening to music that don't represent the values of Christ. And so every time we just open that door a little bit and the enemy has used TV, has used the schools, has used um, social media to make us comfortable with principles and things that are not pleasing to God. And so the little by little, so the enemy doesn't bring it all on your face, but little by little, and now I'm just comfortable with that. I don't see nothing wrong with it anymore. The same, but it's wrong, it's wrong. But then we don't want to offend anybody. So I just shut my mouth and I'm no longer using my weapons. I just realized that Jesus didn't have a problem with offending anybody. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not talking to you about being rude, but I'm talking about presenting the truth that is going to save their soul. But because I'm afraid of how they're going to react, I don't say anything and I know they're going to hell because they, they don't know Christ. And finally, you know, I wanted to share this. And women do it too. I was thinking about it that sometimes we get, there's another way that we allow the enemy into our marriages too. Okay. So we get together and one of our friends starts complaining about their husband that he doesn't take the trash, right? And then another friend says, oh my God, yes, and he does this, so he com she complains also. And my third friend complains too, and so it becomes a whole domino effect that we're all complaining about our husband. And maybe I don't have a complaint, but I'm going to think of one because I don't want to be outdone, right? And if I don't say anything, then I come home and I am come all cross-eyed, I look at my husband all cross-eyed. And the man doesn't know why. Right? You don't do that. I know you don't. But I do sometimes. You know, sometimes I look at him cross-eyed. Not because of what he does. Because he's really an amazing husband. On Sunday, I looked at him cross-eyed. Because I was watching a show about the women in Saudi Arabia. And how they are mistreated. And how they are considered um, property. And they couldn't walk. They can't walk on the streets without a man. And so I'm, I, I watch that one and then I watch about the women that are part of ISIS and then I watch about the women that are part of uh, Pakistan. And when he walks in the room, I just like, 
you oppressor. <laughs> I didn't say it, but I wanted to say it like, get out of here. But that opens the door for the enemy to come into our marriage because now I'm mad. He doesn't know why I'm mad, but I'm just like, oh, fuming, right? And God said, what you doing? What are you doing? Get it together. So then I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I responded that way, even though I knew what I was responding that way, right? I'm sorry. You didn't do anything. I apologize. But that's how, we, that's how little we has to take place. And finally, I know I'm running out of time. My last Bible verse, my second to last Bible verse is um, not wavering, not moving, still standing. And the reason I'm looking at that because while there's a screen there, you know, I'm a little blind. So it says, then the Lord says, Simon, Simon, listen, Satan has demanded to have you apostles for himself. He wants to separate you from me as a farmer separates wheat from husks. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. So when you recover, strengthen the other disciples. I love this because God pre-warns us that we're going to be sifted, right? And how many of you can say this year was a year of sifting? Come on, let me see your hand. I know I've been sifted and re-sifted. And if you don't know what a sifting is, it's when they put the grain on these um, brown things. And they shake it, right? And shake it and shake it and shake it. And then the wheat, the husk comes down and the wheat gets on top. And they do the same when it mines, in the gold mines, and to, to find where the gold or the diamonds exist. So they shake, 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 and the gold stays on top and the dirt comes on down. So while the enemy meant for evil, the sifting, God meant it for good because that's how he's going to bring the fruits to the top, right? The goodness of our lives. Or gifts are going to come after there is a sifting. Or ministry is going to take place after there is a sifting because he doesn't want us to take all the negative things that can hurt others and that they can take us out of place because we're offended for something. We have to go through that sifting. And what the enemy means for something, I'm telling you, embrace the sifting. Embrace the pressing. You know, to have olive oil is going to be a pressing. To have good wine, there needs to be a pressing. To have um, diamonds, there needs to be a crushing. That's what God meant for us. So I'm not wavering. Yes, you're going to sift me, but I'm going to be still standing. Because at the end of the day, it's all for His glory. And so I wanted to finish with this verse. 2 Peter 2.9 was really the first verse that um, where all this is based. And it says... But you are the ones chosen by God, handpicked by God, saying, you, you, and you, I want you in my army. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people, and in some versions it says peculiar people. God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the, of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. And if today you feel rejected, let me tell you that the great I am, the I am that I am, the only living God, the Alpha and the Omega, the rock of my salvation, the beginning and the end. 
the one that shaped you for his glory the one that divided heaven from earth the one that created every creeping thing and every animal on this place the one that healed the blind and the one that made, gave vision to the blind and made the lame walk that one the one that died in the cross so we may have life and have it more abundantly that one has accepted you praise God I want to pray for you I really do I guess I should be there with you so other good person I could be prayed for as well my purpose today God said my purpose today was just to encourage you to walk in the fullness of who you are to forget what people have said done what you believe about yourself but to, re to forgive yourself to forgive yourself for decisions that you have made and for hatred or whatever is in your I'm sorry whatever is in you forgive yourself forgive yourself because he has forgiven you don't let others weigh you down or take you out of place there is a place for you in the kingdom of God you could have been born and I could have been born in any other time on, our, on, on the history of this world in any other place but there is something about God that He wants to reflect to the world and He wants to do it through you and so I want to pray that we will walk in that fullness so I want to pray for those that feel hurt and in pain and need healing and I want to pray for all of us that we will take arms and go and recover the territory for the kingdom of God. Father, we just thank you. We worship you today, oh God. I thank you that you've chosen the silly things of this world to confine the wise. We might not be qualified, but on you we are. Others might reject us, but you have accepted us, oh God. And so, Father, we give it all to you. We surround, surrender ourselves unto you. And we call upon your name so you can just come and do your thing, oh God. Heal our hearts, oh Father. Give us vision, oh Lord. Liberate and let the captives go free, oh God. Father, open the doors of those jails that we have created in ourselves, oh God. I pray, Father, against any spirit that comes to contradict the Word of God this morning, oh God. And I just know that you are God all by yourself. That nothing else needs to be done or said because you have settled it within our hearts, oh God. I just thank you today because you are amazing. You are such an amazing God. And we just want to say hallelujah to your name. We just want to glorify you, God. We want to raise our hands and just begin to just call upon your name. Come on and say to him what you need to say. I can't say what you've been through. I don't know what you've been through, but I just know that God will heal you. I know that even what you've been through is part of your ministry. It's part of the purpose that why you're here. That you're going to attach yourself to people. And you're going to impact their lives for the glory of God. Because that's what you are called to do. It's not because of you, how cute you are, how tall you are. But it's all about who God is. And so God, we surrender ourselves, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our plans. 
and we just say, here you, we are for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnote.org. See you next time.